This path will lead you to an unholy place, a cemetery. Hello everybody, Foggy Jack here, the Lost Boy, Oddball of Magic, and the host of the Foggy Jack 13 Podcast. I'll meet you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. Coming up on this episode of the Creeper Cast, it's four weeks of Halloween, a Halloween introspective, part four. Michael returns to take vengeance on his new nephew or son, who happens to also be protected by none other than Paul Rudd. And why not? He then terrorizes a bunch of high schoolers in another attempt to kill his sister Lori again. And hits the internet fame by hacking and slashing his way through a reality show. While also getting his ass kicked by a rapper. All that, plus Captain Creeper feeds some creatures. So zip up that jumpsuit and stalk some teenagers. It's time for CreeperCast, episode 98. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Creeper Cast. I'm Jason. Back again is Jeff, and with us as always is Mike at his local YMCA. He's known as the reason to always wear flip flops at the pool. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First off, I want to say uh, welcome back, Jeff. You missed a great interview last week. I did get to listen to it, though, and it was a great interview. <laughs> I'm actually jealous after I listened to it. Well, as well you should be, <laughs> especially since you set the whole thing up. Yeah, I know, right? Check me out, setting these things up and then not being around. Exactly. Going to work instead. Jeez, what am I thinking? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. We had You're a little not... panic moment at, at the beginning because uh, Justin was a few minutes late. Uh, yeah, no, I got a text from Jason. It was funny. He was like, <laughs> um, he's not on yet. <laughs> well, I, I just, I wasn't sure if he was able to receive my emails in time or anything. You know, he is a busy man. So. So true. All right. Remember to get a hold of us. Give us a call at 503-454-6941. You can also email us at feedback at creepercast.com. We are on Google Plus also. Creepercast.com slash G plus. The iTunes sweepstakes is still going on. Go to creepercast.com slash iTunes or creepercast.com slash TWD iTunes for the Walking Dead Week in Review iTunes page. Leave us a comment at either one or both of them and your name will be put into my proverbial, or should I just say perverted, hat. Yeah, probably. <laughs> my perverted hat. Uh, I to, want nothing to do with that hat, just so you know. <laughs> to be drawn so that uh, the winner of each one can uh, choose their choice of any one thing out of the CreeperCast swag store. So, two chances, Tanner, two chances to win. And with that, anything you guys want to say before we head into our Halloween introspective? No, let's go. Let's get all Halloween introspective. Like, all right. I don't know. I uh, thought of like a dozen questions after we entered the interview last week with Justin. <laughs> And I'm like, man. 
right. First up, it's the last three episodes. I, I'm gonna. Should we call them episodes? Episodes. Mo- well, movies? it is kind of an episodic. It is kind of episodic <laughs> in a way, but the last three of the Michael Myers saga that we have, which is Halloween six, seven, and eight, or better known as the Curse of Michael Myers H two O, and the Res- other one, Resurrection. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let's start with the Curse of Michael Myers Halloween six. My mini plot is, it's been six years since Jamie and Michael disappeared. Now they return with a new baby, and all hell breaks loose in Haddonfield. And only the guy from I Love You Man can stop him. (laughs) Do you know why we celebrate Halloween? A long, long time ago, it was a night of great power. When the days grew short... All across the land, huge bonfires were lit. Oh, there was a marvelous celebration. And they dressed up in costumes, hoping to ward off the evil spirits, especially the boogeyman. Well, that told you absolutely nothing. <laughs> but Our, it was All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve. So <laughs> uh, it was written by uh, this one by Daniel Ferens and was directed by Joe Ciappelli. It stars Donald Pleasance back again for his last role as Dr. Loomis. Paul Rudd as a grown-up Tommy from the first mm-hmm. that one. Uh, Tommy Doyle. Of and, all and uh <laughs> Marion Hagen as uh Kara Strode, who would be the step cousin of Lori Strode. Ah. At yeah. least you know the relationships. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh I, I'm gonna start off with this uh to say I always believed that it was Michael Myers' son that he had with Jamie. <laughs> But as as of this sick, last watching, sick bastard. is there anything that uh, really supports my theory when I say that? Um, other than the fact that they both appeared at the same time, I'm not sure. Well, I guess uh, I don't know if it's his. Uh, it, it could be his son. I mean, they never really said how she got pregnant. Um, but you're led to believe that it's well. Be most some sort people of, most people get pregnant only one way. Well, by who she got pregnant. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm saying, you know, artificial insemination, you know. Um, and that's actually where my first problem with this movie comes from are, is uh, Michael has been on a killing rampage for what amounts to decades at this point. Um, and yet somehow they're able to stop him or control him for the six years that they've got um, Jamie in custody. Um so it's like, you know, how did they manage that? Um, well, it, I think it I all just, comes down to the to the Thorn Cult, and you know, we we are talking about the theatrical cut, which is basically a mashup of all different uh, people that had their hands in this movie, and from what uh, many people say, uh, completely butchered it from 
what the original writer had intended. From yeah, you guys talked about that last week too about uh, how most people think that it was a pretty much a murder. Yeah, but yeah. just making the film. Yeah, <laughs> D- uh, Daniel. I know uh, from a lot of documentaries and stuff, and I'm sure it'll also be uh, in the uh, uh, the official guide that's coming out. Uh, Daniel Farrens, uh when he wrote Halloween Six, he was actually tasked to wrap everything together from the last two movies, the man in black, the Warren, all of that stuff, wrap it up together so that it all made sense. <laughs> and then when it was made, uh, they hacked it apart and, uh, it wasn't what he originally wrote. And then as if that wasn't bad enough, uh, they screened it and the screeners didn't like all of the exposition in there. So they took out a lot of the stuff that, you know, gives detail and backstory on Michael and threw in more gore and blood and guts. Well, I get that. I just, like I said, you know, if there is, when you watch it, you know, this, this producer's cut that, you know, <clears throat> we've heard about, you know, maybe there is some exposition in there as to how they were able to control him or keep him from killing her, you know, uh, for six years. Um, but then on the same token, we've already established that, you know, this one is in just like with four and five, he's psychically connected to Jamie because she's the last of his line, excuse me, which is presumably how he tracks her. Um, you know, when she escapes, uh, from the cult of thorn, uh, but by that very same token, shouldn't he have been psychically connected to the child as well? Especially if it's the way I look at it, that somehow they took a DNA from Michael and that's what, how they impregnated, uh, Jamie. Right. Uh, is it just me? Am I the only one that, you know, tries to imagine Michael just being on top ramrodding? <laughs> well, there is it, a, an, there's an official Halloween, uh, porn parody out there. that you should. <laughs> but, uh, the other thing to think about, too, not only is it incestuous, but uh, Jamie at this point is only 15 years old. Maybe 16. It's legal in South Carolina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to all of those in South Carolina, we don't apologize for Mike. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, they, you know, so there, there is this backstory of the baby. I think the baby, the reason that he doesn't have a psychic connection with the baby is because just like Jamie was older when she got it, you know, she didn't really have much of a psychic connection in uh, number four. She had a obviously a bigger one in five. I think it's something that has to grow to get the connection. I guess I could, I could buy that. Yeah, I guess. The baby's too weak. <laughs> the baby's weak. So uh, Paul Rudd as a messed up, grown up <laughs> Tommy Doyle. Um, is it you know, weird? Did he seem a little young to be? <clears throat> excuse, excuse me, I'm, I apologize. Uh, it, it seemed like he was, for the time that has lapsed, from the you know the original Halloween night to this point, which I'm not sure how many years we figured it out. It would have been 14 years, 14 or 15 years. No, so, 20 and, years is 1998. So this is 95. So 15 years. Okay, so 15. No. No, and he was eighteen years. Ah, I can't okay. do math, <clears throat> which is why I'm a broadcaster and you know failed math courses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
So you're talking, you know, 15 or 20 years has passed, and he was already, what, he had to have been close to 10 yep. years old in the first he looked a little young to me, I guess. Yeah, I guess uh, at that point he would have been, you know, another 15 years. Uh, he would have been 25, 26. So I think that's about right. I don't know. I just, maybe it was just, maybe it's just me then. I just, I was like, he, he just looked a little young to be where he was at. Considering how we've seen Loomis age over the years. Yeah, but Loomis had a much harder life. This is true. That's true. I mean, he was loved. He was hated. And speaking of... He was hunting Michael. (laughs) Excuse me. Once again, I'm sorry. I have a frog in my throat. Um, Speaking of Loomis, am I the only one that noticed he had no scars anymore? Uh, Yeah, the (laughs) scars did disappear. It's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, when they called him in to do this movie, it was like, you know what? Screw you. I'm Donald Pleasance. I'm not (laughs) sitting through this. Well, I think uh, with this movie, though, with Halloween 6... Because this is the first time Miramax took over Michael Myers, they took a lot of liberties that uh, the previous uh, company uh, used to, you know, to uh, try to keep some sort of uh, cohesiveness. And we're going to see that even more when we go to H2O. Yes. But, I mean, they, they really did. Uh, the, Meyer, the Michael Mass changed. In fact, I think it changed like three or four times throughout the film. Uh, the, you know, some of the stuff that, uh, they talk about, uh, you have the, the fact that they used uh, a lot of the, uh, the strodes, that's something I want to talk about. Why bring back, uh, the, the strodes into this? Yeah, I didn't, my first thought was like, there are more strodes. I'm like, okay, yeah, (laughs) they could, they could have family, but why in the hell would they move into that house? You know, why couldn't it just been any, cause my first thought was, okay, they're more strodes. How is this kid connected? And of course, you know, the thorn dude, uh, kind of s- explains that he's the next pick. Um, which I found a little weird because we'd never had anything prior to Michael that we knew of. And yet now we have two from the same house, um, related only by the fact that, you know, they're in the same house and they're the roughly house. the same age. Right. Um, and yet Michael is still out there, so he and he still hasn't killed off every one of his family members. So if we go by the belief of the the cult of of Thorn, his job isn't finished. Why would we need a new one? I don't. Know, that's just my. No, no, that's a that's actually a really good question that I didn't think about. Uh, and I think that's where you know when we talk about too many hands in the cookie cookie jar with this one is that everyone had their own little, hey, I've got a great ending. Hey, I've got this great thing. Hey, I've got well, Yeah, this. there were several endings. In fact, they, from what I understand, they actually like rewrote the ending on set because Salt, they were in Salt Lake, right? Didn't they shoot it in Salt Lake, Utah? And it was like they, it ended up being the middle of winter, so they even had to rewrite one of the endings like right there on set. <laughs> they, they might have. To take, into account, to take into account that it was wintertime. <laughs> and then they also uh, rewrote it again uh, and reshot about the last 15 minutes, mm. 20 minutes of the movie uh, after uh, they showed it. Uh, Miramax did that. And now, can it, I just say, though, that the, that the Curse of the Thorn angle, there isn't really any Celtic curses out there. Just so you know. Thank you for that. 
It's based on it's well the curse the the whole curse of thorn angle is supposed to be based on Celtic mythology, but there is no real Celtic curses, so they were making their own up. They were making it up. Obviously. What Hollywood made up something? <laughs> I am disillusioned and shocked. I tell you. <laughs> now they could call it like a Wiccan thing or something, but there's no there are there's no such thing as a Celtic curse. <laughs> well, and, and here's another one. Does it does it kind of bug you that to find out that the reason that Michael is able, has all these powers and is able to regenerate <laughs> the way that he can is because he was injected with serum. Does it bother me? Yes. Um, for the, t- I guess. I mean, to me, it kind of takes guess, away from his of, mythology. Yeah. Right. It well, does kind of back to that whole thing of you know with Rob Zombie's reboot. You know, it gives backstory that we that I guess humanizes him a bit. You know, it's like. Well, yeah, because we were. He's like the he Lance was... Armstrong. Well, not Lance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Lance says he's never taken anything. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, it's like you know, you know. Okay, he's not a super, you know, natural force or or an unstoppable killing machine or or like what I was saying with Justin during that interview. To me, it was like he was an unstoppable force of nature. Um, right. To find out that he's being injected with something, and now he's know, man-made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, well, that kind of deflates my, you know. Yeah, I liked it better. With, I would say I liked it better when he was an unstoppable force in nature before they had to explain that science was involved. But right. the science element, the science element, is more fitting for the time period for one, and kind of makes him a Frankenstein, you know, it, Nazi, it, Nazi. Uh, creature it's kind of like when uh i saw the um star wars episode one and they were talking about the (laughs) the midichlorians that thing yeah yeah and i'm like no 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 there are no living no nothing it it is the fact that you have the supernatural power to be able to control shit well exactly i mean everybody who's a star wars fan you know a real a true star wars fan will say the same thing because um yoda and obi-wan explained it perfectly it's a force throughout the universe that you know blah 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 and then we retcon it in episode one saying no it's a little tiny microbacteria that lives in your body uh, what yeah exactly <laughs> don't say sorry we we only you know have an hour hour and a half to do this show so don't get me started on star wars okay guys. but that but that's <laughs> but that was my problem uh when i saw that is you know when uh, you know he's being injected he's being experimented on and that's all through his life and that's what Cause them to become crazier and have all these superpowers. Well, and you wouldn't think that's also... what they'd want to do to him either, unless they're trying to create him into a super, you know, a super soldier or something. There's no reason. Well, that's basically what they were trying to do, yeah. and, that, and that was the whole point of controlling him. And even Tommy Doyle had uh, that monologue where he says uh, something to the point of, you know, you cannot control evil; you can only hope to stop it temporarily. Well, and that's, I guess, one of my other biggest problems with this whole cult of Thorn thing is. I guess maybe it's because I kept fading in and out, you know, because it it was just like there was a lot of exposition in this movie, even after (laughs) the cuts. Um, But I felt like, you know, there was never really a really good given reason for why the hell they would do this. I mean, what are you going to do with this unstoppable force based on a Celtic curse, which Jeff tells us doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you got Uh, like so much going on here though. It's not even just a case of, I mean, you have the unstoppable force of nature, which we originally wanted to believe that Michael Myers was now he's been scientifically altered and, and 
it all is because of some curse that was laid on him during Sam Hain or something, and you know that he has to kill everybody in his family. So there's too many angles. <laughs> That's exactly it. And then, of course, in the end, how does he get stopped? Tranquilizers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, the what? guy, the guy has been blown up, shot, fallen from buildings, you know, all but decapitated at this point, and he's stopped by tranquilizers. Yep. Yep, pretty much. Just like he was an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any last things you guys want to say? Uh, um, go ahead, Jeff. Oh well, no, not really. <laughs> it's not. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite of the bunch. But then I'm nowhere near the near the Halloween fan you guys are. So. And I just, I actually, I mean, I've got almost a whole page of notes, but just a couple of quick things. Um, I've really. <sighs> Again, I'm I'm assuming it has to deal with the whole too many hands in the cookie jar thing. Yeah. Um, we were retconning some of this, you know, obviously uh, with the cult of Thorn or whatever. But that old lady who's like, "Oh, I was babysitting Michael that night." I'm like, no, you weren't. We just <laughs> saw that he was being babysat by Judith, yeah, who was screwing her boyfriend, his pissed off sister. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that bothered me. Um, I did notice. Did anybody else catch this? Um, and maybe it's just because I am such a John Carpenter fan. At one point, we switched from the the music that we hear throughout, um, and of course, as these movies go along, the Halloween theme itself gets more layered, uh, and it, it becomes more full, MTV-ish. I'm yeah. yeah, I'm actually waiting for the full orchestra version soon. Um, <laughs> but it's like we switch from that music to the music from The Thing. Yes. Yeah. So okay. I so I wasn't that. the only one who noticed yes. that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's the same guy though that's been doing working with you know him all along. That was working with John Carpenter on the first couple. We mentioned him in the last show, um, and uh, yeah, he was just trying to put his own twist on everything. And he'd been involved in pretty much every music or all the music that John Carpenter had made in the eighties. So. <laughs> well, well, that's all. I just you know I'm I'm watching the movie and I kind of yeah. Like, <laughs> and hey, don't and don't forget this isn't the original. Music, even though that's another big difference between this and the producer's cut, is that the producer's cut has a totally different music background music through it. Right. Um, and then the only other thing I was curious about, and again, it was, um, you know, I kind of faded in and out watching this. Did Wynn die or did he escape? Because it looked, when I was watching it, it, um, you know, all of, and th- this was another problem. Okay, they've controlled him for six years to the point of, you know, they, he hasn't killed Jamie. Um, he actually is there when she escapes, you know, so we have no idea. He's where, like their and, guard dog. Right, okay. <laughs> so, you know, they've had him basically on a leash for six years. Um, and now all of a sudden, when they're about to do whatever the hell it is they're going to do to the, the, the baby he just goes batshit crazy again and wipes them all out. But it, the scene, I, it seemed like when was like backing away, like he got up, like he got away. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, when got away as, okay. as far as I can remember, uh, you know, from watching it just pre recently, uh, and, uh, from everything that I read, uh, he did get away. Uh, and that's where, you know, the storyline of, uh, the thorn takes a little bit further. Uh, also, don't forget, if you're ever looking for a druid underground druid cult, uh, just look for the construction site that obviously never gets built. Yeah. 
or just conveniently go to Smith's Grove Sanitarium because apparently everybody who works there is a druid psycho. Except for yeah. Loomis. Except for Loomis. Who can apparently no come wonder, up with No wonder they thought that he was crazy. Because <laughs> no, okay. he wasn't and psycho. Go, going along with that, clearly, you know, we get the impression at the end, um, and once again, it's a, a incredibly lowly uh, staffed uh, building when they go in there. There's like nobody there except for the, these few staff members, whatever, who are all in on it. Now, <laughs> you have to assume that when has and it, it is established that he was the guy there from the night Michael escaped in, you know, uh, 1978. Um, so you've got to assume that Wynn has known about everything that's gone on and he knows that Loomis is bound and determined to stop Michael. What made him actually think that uh, Loomis would jump on board? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me help you, you know make Michael stronger or make the next generation, you know, Michael 2.0 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a really good question. You know, Loomis tried to stop Michael for all these years. Now he's like, yeah, let, let, let's help him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I'm like, why would Wynn even think that, that Loomis would be on board with this, you know? Come out of retirement. Who knows? All right. Uh, I think with that... Let's head over to Captain Creeper's book corner. All right, and welcome to this week's Captain Creeper's book corner. This week, the book we have today is uh, An Apple for the Creature, play on the old adage, An Apple for the Teacher. It is edited by Charlene Harris of True Blood fame. Well, I should say it's Sookie Stackhouse fame, uh, which True Blood uh, is based off of, and... Uh, Tony L.P. Kellner, which, to be totally honest, I haven't really read anything by her, so um, I really can't give you uh, any tie-ins for that. Uh, this is a brand new book. It was uh, published September 4th uh, this year, 2012. Um, what could be scarier than the first day of school? How about a crash course in the paranormal from Charlene Harris and Tony L.P. Kellner, editors of Home Improvement, the Undead Edition, your worst school nightmares, taking that math test you never studied for, finding yourself naked in school assembly, not knowing which door to enter, will uh, pale in uh, comparison to these 13 original stories that take academic anxiety to a whole new realm. This book also includes, and every one of these editions that Ms. Harris has done has this, includes a never-before-published Suki Stackhouse story. So, you know, if you're a big Suki Stackhouse fan like I am, that's going to be your draw. Um, that's true blood, baby. Yeah, baby. Um, too bad true blood has gone so far off the beaten path that I'm not sure why we still call it based on Suki Stackhouse, but, um, that's just my thing. Um, I still love true blood. No offense, Ms. Harris. Please send me free books. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so as we discussed last week, um, these anthologies are hit or miss. Um, this is just the latest in a series of anthologies that are edited by Ms. Harris. Um, these, these collections tend to work better than the zombie anthem, uh, anthology, excuse me, anthologies that I mentioned last time. And this is because that while there is a central theme, in this case stories involving some sort of schooling, they don't come with a built-in premise that sometimes fails to meet the expect, expectations. Uh, like with a zombie anthology where... 
that doesn't have all zombie stories. Case in point. Um, so there are some really good stories in here. Um, of course, I like the Suki Stackhouse one. Um, Jonathan Mayberry's Spellcaster 2.0 is pretty awesome as well. Um, uh, where it uh, points out outsmarting a demon is never as easy as it sounds, and it doesn't always work the way you want it to. Uh, then there are some okay stories, nothing terrible. Um, the ones I liked the least were the ones that take place in a timeline of books that I haven't read or I don't want to read. Um, it makes it harder to jump into a story where the characters have already been established, so the author assumes you already know most of who is who and what's going on. Uh, whereas, obviously in this case, I haven't read them, so I'm basically playing catch-up as I'm reading these stories, trying to figure out who's who, what's what. Um, other times, uh, short stories are just better written than the longer ones. Um, I've read some short stories by some of these authors that I absolutely loved, and then when I tried to read some of their novels, I tuned out after about two chapters and put it down. So um, so good, but not great, and some bad, but nothing terrible. Definitely a library book, unless you have more money than I do. Um, on a final note, um, there is a short story in here by a certain Amber Benson. That's right. Tara from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is in this book as well. Uh, now I have to go and find her books. So anyways, uh, my score is three stabs out of five. Uh, it's, it comes in hardcover, ebook, and soon-to-be mass paperback. And that is this week's Captain Creepers Book Corner. All right. Thank you. Uh, there will not be a TV roundup this week because we are pre-recording this and anything that I say will oh, be out of date. That. So with that, we're going to head straight over to Mike and the Mike Jeff in the news. I'm like, hey, don't put me on the spot here, man. I can, I mean, I can make up some stuff, but I only have very little news since you gave away the fact that we're pre-recording this. <laughs> I was going to actually act like we were, you know, two weeks from now. Oh, I'm truthful to everyone. <laughs> anyway, I do have a little bit of news because. Her name keeps coming up a lot in what we've been talking about in the last three, now four weeks. And I figured it, 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 it was worth mentioning her again. And this is actually timely because it, it doesn't actually happen until November 8th. Is Danielle Harris, by the way, is also a director. We all knew this, right? No. No. And her movie, Among Friends, is about to get its debut in Mesa, Arizona. And let me give you a quick idea of what Among Friends is about. A group of friends get together for a murder mystery party, but things take a dark turn when one hijacks the evening and is out for blood. Do we see her boobs? <laughs> is that all you really care about? Actually, I don't think Danielle Harris is actually even starring in it. Let, oh. let, let me double check that to be sure. But Alyssa Lobbett actually wrote it. She's, she directed it. Let's see. We do have a lot of people that she's worked with before on here, but I don't see her name listed as doing anything in the movie. But we have Christopher Bacchus, Jennifer Blank, A.J. Bowen, and Dana Dari, who have done a lot of fun Scream queen type stuff. Um, this week in theaters, because, again, I'm pretending that we're actually <laughs> – <laughs> we're actually in you know, the that whole week. Pretending thing doesn't work as well when you tell people we're pretending. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there, man. Well, the, well, I guess it's only fair to be it's only fair to be honest because I haven't even seen trailers for this one yet and didn't even know what was coming <laughs> until I just did a quick search about what's coming out on November second. <laughs> Way to prepare, man. It's like what's coming out on November second. 
Okay. The Bay is coming out on November 2nd, directed by Barry Levinson, which, and it's, you know, it's being put out by Roadside Attractions, which gives me, makes me think that it's got to be okay, right? The quaint seaside town of Claridge, Maryland thrives on water. It is the lifeblood of the community. When two biological researchers from France find a staggering level of toxicity in the water, they attempt to alert the mayor, but he refuses to to create a panic in the docile town. As a result, a deadly plague is unleashed, turning the citizens into hosts for a mutant breed of jaws. I mean, parasites. (laughs) That take control of their minds and eventually their bodies. I'm perplexed, I guess. I mean, roadside attractions are, are also really good for B-rated horror. This one's coming out as a, a rated R on November 2nd, 2012, Speak- which is two weeks from today. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Jeff, I'm going to task you with finding a movie to see if there ever was one based on roadside attractions called Mystery Spot. Because okay. every does it take I, place in Michigan? Well, there is a mystery spot. <laughs> I swear, in uh, at least one in every state, if not more. Okay. Probably true. So, well, okay. I, I mean, everybody's seen mystery these. You drive spot. by, and they're like a house that's built on a hill, and they say, you know, physics don't work right here. The ball rolls uphill, and you're like, no, <laughs> see, we're on a hill. Just because yeah. you make it look like it's on an angle, it's still going with gravity. But anyway, anyway. The last thing I was going to do with my news is because, you know, to keep reiterating the fact that we're actually not doing this at a time period where I can come up with timely news <laughs> is we are wrapping up Halloween here, though, because this is this will be coming out on Halloween. We're wrapping up Halloween movies. So I'm going to wrap up the Halloween movies of this year. That's right. And so and one of them I've actually managed to see. We had Grave Encounters 2 come out on the 12th. We also had Sinister come out on the 12th, which I finally saw the other day. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, folks, it's actually a pretty good movie. Ethan Hawke is, of course, fantastic in his role. Very convincing. It's, it, it was almost realistic, which is weird to say when there's a demon and ghosts involved. But it felt realistic, mostly through the movie. And I've also posted on Facebook not too long ago, and I will put out a review about this as well, is that I finally decided that found footage film works better as part of the story rather than a driver for the plot points. So rather than a vehicle of the story. Yeah. Rather than a vehicle of the story, it's much better as a part of the story, which is in the case of this, it's home movies that lead us into the, I'm sure we've all seen the trailer by now, but it's actually a really good movie. And one of the things I'm going to rave about the most is the end, which is, so I'm not going to tell you because I want you to see it, but it's not a Hollywood ending. It actually goes exactly the only way it could possibly end, and I think that's fantastic. The next world on the blows list was, up. <laughs> next on the list was Smiley, which I haven't had a chance to see yet. But that one was based on um, basically they were they built a, the idea of an urban legend around the character of Smiley, and it's it kind of reminds me of it. Looks like it's going to be like a scream slash urban legend type story, only a lot more with a lot more action or hopefully going more for the horror and less for the campy, you know, college kid thing. But I will let you know as soon as I get a chance to see it. Paranormal Activity 4? Yeah, I don't care. I don't care either. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next one that actually people should be caring about came out just last weekend, if you're listening to this on October 31st. is uh, Silent Hill Revelation. Actually, it looks really good to me, and I, can, I, I am looking forward to seeing that one. I see, I, I was so bored watching the first <laughs> one that I really... I mean, now, Jen loved it. 
I mean, she yeah. absolutely loved the first Silent Hill movie. And I was excited for it because as bad as they are, I like the Resident Evil movies. Right. Um, so I figured, okay, well, Silent Hill's even creepier. Um, so I thought the movie was going to... It depends who's directing it. If it's an Uwe Boyle... Uh, <laughs> Uwe Boyle, yeah. yeah or Boyle, I actually just maybe he does have a Boyle. Just remember the um, Uwe part. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just actually read somewhere... Um, that he's returning to film. He's got another movie coming out or something. I'm like, how does this guy keep getting fun? So there's another video. So there's another game out there that needs a movie around. Yeah, it? that's what I, I was actually, thinking. <laughs> I didn't do a lot of research into it because the guy sucks and I don't like his movies. Um, but it didn't look like it was based on a video game. Huh? So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he can actually direct when it's original content, but I don't doubt it. Has he yeah. ever done an original movie? Anyway, <laughs> um, just really quickly about Silent Hill Revelation is that one of the things that obviously draws a lot of people to different films is who's in it. And this one does star some of, some of our, you know, at least two of our favorite people. Like for me, I'm a, I'm a big Sean Bean fan. So I can't, I can't imagine that he's going to be that horrible, although in the trailers it kind of makes him look kind of wimpy. But Malcolm McDowell is also in this movie, so that makes it a – you have to at least give it a shot, right? <laughs> yes. Anybody want to take odds on how long Sean survives into the movie? <laughs> I give him actually, seven think, minutes. Actually, if you watch the trailer, <laughs> if you watch the trailer, it's pretty obvious he's the one who disappears first. <laughs> I mean, I feel seven so bad minutes. for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's all I've got. <laughs> all right. And now on to our last two Halloween films. The first Starting one. Starting with Halloween Water. <laughs> Halloween Water, 20 years later. Halloween H2O. In this one, well, forget everything that happened in the last three Halloween movies. It didn't happen. Going back to I it. actually wrote in my notes, we now resume our regularly broadcast schedule. <laughs> no, don't argue with me. It didn't happen. I know you're out there list thinking, four, no, I watched eight, it. Four, it didn't happen. Okay. Three, four, five, and six do not exist. They do not exist. Okay. <laughs> Michael spent that whole 20 years searching for Lori, and now he's found her as the headmistress of a Northern California private school. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I went into hiding. terrible. My brother killed my sister. <laughs> How'd he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? What's going on, baby? I don't know. This is a sick joke. <laughs> now. The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. But this time, it's going to be a fight. 
to the finish. This summer, Terror won't be taking a vacation. Halloween H2O. It's Halloween. I guess everyone is entitled to one good scare. I've had my share. Okay, awesome trailer. So... Halloween H2O <laughs> It's brought to us by the Weinstein Brothers It's brought to us by the Weinstein Brothers uh, It was directed by Steve Miner And stars restarring Jamie Lee Curtis As Laurie Strode Or whatever her name is in this one Carrie Tate Carrie Tate, that's it They went with the Tate again, I, now I remember uh, Josh Hartnett as her son And Adam Arkin It was, uh, you know Whenever they have the uh, written by, they always have John Carpenter and Deborah Hill simply because they created the characters originally. But the story this time was actually written by Robert Zappia and Matt Greenberg. Um, so Matt Greenberg is the weird one, but <laughs> so yes, take oh, and Michelle Williams is in it also. Uh, <laughs> So, like I said, uh, for the last 20 years, there's, the reason you have to really forget everything from 4, 5, and 6 is because everything that Lori says could not have happened yeah. if you actually thought about it for, you know, half a minute. Like, talking about, you know, uh, her son being the only one, uh it couldn't happen because you know uh john tate john her son being the only one it, he would have at the age that they would have left or that she they would have she would have faked her death he would have uh known that he had a sister right. there's no way he would have been old enough to remember his sister right and i think that everybody really kind of coming into this movie, and we talked about it with justin you know it's like not only is it 20 years after the original H2O, whatever, but it's basically forget that those other three movies happened, you know, didn't happen. Um, somehow, you know, we have just, you know, for 20 years, nothing's happened. Everything's fine. Right. Um, and just going into that, you know, you basically have to go in with a mindset that, you know, nothing, those movies didn't happen. None of, you know, there was no Jamie, there was no, you know, uh, Dr. Loomis recurring scars, no scars, whatever. Right, exactly. And uh, the way, even the way she tells the story, you know, it ends at two. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, so that's everything. Now, this is another one where they had a lot of different hands in the cookie jar. And uh, I, we talked about that last week with Justin when he said this had the most Michael Myers masks from different... Right people creating them <laughs> and so it, it's it's kind of act almost funny you could almost make a drinking game going through <laughs> the movie every time you see michael and every time the mask switches and i think you should also do a drinking game when you recognize somebody in this movie you you should because especially this is a, from other especially from other horror or, or any kind of reference to another horror film well you have because we have the jason Voorhees reference yes we have Janet Lee in this film. Yeah, uh, we yes. Uh, well, not only Janet, but we've got the car she drove. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Psycho. 
<laughs> uh, you know, and, and just the names of the people in here, you know, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, uh, she's Josh Hartnett, <laughs> uh, Michelle Williams, Adam Arkin, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just a there's a lot of people in here. LL Cool J. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the one where the rapper kicks his ass, right? No, that's the next one. <laughs> I know. This is the one where the rapper gets his ass kicked. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, this is uh, definitely, uh, you know, it it really wanted to take what was traditional in the original Halloween and Halloween 2 and just modernize it. And that's really all they did. They they took the original Halloween, put it in a new backdrop, and uh, that's exactly what this is. You have a bunch of kids and Jamie Lee Curtis or uh, Carrie Tate. uh, You have a bunch of kids that Michael is stalking. Uh, They don't know that he's around. They don't think that he's around. And so, therefore, that gives him the opportunity to take people out. And the other ones, they knew about Michael. They knew that Michael was after. You know, they had Dr. Loomis. They had the police out searching. This one, they're completely cut off like they were in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Way to agree with me. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally cut off. I like this movie, honestly. I really did. Um, I always liked it, too. <laughs> I, I've always liked mostly it. because they, for me, it was back to the, the source material. You know, there was, you know, um, there were some plot holes, like where the hell has he been for 20 years? And all of a sudden he finds her, you know, we go all the way from Haddonfield, Illinois to what is it like Southern California or Northern something? California. Northern California. So, you know, you're talking five, six states away, whatever. Where the hell is he? You know, where's he been and how did he find her? You know, because now since we're especially not talking about the other movies, you know, yeah. there is no psychic connection. Right. You know, that we know of. Correct. All we know. And Lori tells us this. I mean, we, we get some sort of connection in the fact that and if you pay attention, they uh, retcon the ages um, yeah. where uh Judith Myers was killed on her seven, when she was 17. Right. Lori was attacked by Michael when she was 17. And there's the plot twist. This is why Michael shows up 20 years later because her son is right. just turned 17. And how, how bad of an omen is that? You know, your kid <laughs> is born on the holiday that you are most terrified of. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's just being bad, born under a bad omen. Um, <laughs> So, you know, there is – they kind of allude to some sort of connection because of the, the, the 17-year age. But, you know, I, it still bothers me, you know, okay, where the hell has he been for 20 years and how the hell did he find her? Eh, maybe he was just chilling underneath his house, you know, that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he took uh, a nap and, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, so th- that's about it. I mean, there isn't a lot to talk about this. This is a pretty straightforward movie. There, It didn't have a lot of cast or didn't have uh, much depth to the cast. It didn't add anything to the storyline uh, outside of, you know, he's still hunting Lori. Right. And, I mean, they even use some of the same lines. I mean, the, the secretary, uh, when she uh, accidentally startles uh, Lori says, you know, well, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Well, and don't yeah. forget when, uh, and this is how he actually found her, is uh, when he kills the nurse at the beginning, 
that was the same nurse that, uh, you know, he stole the car from with Dr. Loomis the night that he broke out. And you can tell by the way that she smokes the cigarette. Well, I know it's supposed to be, it's supposed to, so we're saying it's the same character, not the same actress. Right. It's the same character. Right. And Um, so, but again, again, you you know, okay, he gets back to the house, Loomis's house or, or presumably or her house or whatever the hell it is. Um, he shows up and kills her. Why has he waited or where has he been for 20 years that he's not killing people? Well, at the end of, at the end, uh, he was blown up. So, I mean, if we are saying that, you know, four five and six didn't happen, he could have been in a coma that whole time. We don't know. Okay. Yeah. And, all right. All right. Where does he keep getting his damn masks? <laughs> I mean, he was, you know, after the end of two, he was in the fire, his mask melted. Where, you know, where did he get it? there's a lot of William Shatner's out there. (laughs) Don't ask me these questions, okay? (laughs) He broke into the same hardware store he broke into 20 years ago to get a new mask. Yes, but but that's that's the whole thing. And uh, they even uh, make a play on his age, you know. A lot of people that were thinking, well, Michael Myers, you know, he has to be like 90 now. They even uh, mentioned and referenced that in the film, which I love. Right. The, 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 what was it? The, the one detective, he's like, you know, he would have, you know, he'd be younger than me or, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I like the fact that, you know, it, Michael Myers, if you actually do the math, he was born in 1957. <laughs> so, you know, by the time this came out, 57, 67, I know he's younger than my dad. So I, I mean, well, actually, he would have been about the same age as my dad because that was the year my father was born. So. You know, it's, well, he'd only be forty-one in, in the film. This movie came out, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at forty-one years old, he could, he, you know, it, it's funny that they talk about how you know he must be, you know, geriatric by now. But you know, I and I like how they they played off of that, and you know, all of these little references that are in there to the original or to uh, speculation. Again, if you presume that four, five, and six didn't happen, right. I know. Like I said, overall, I like this one because we're pretending three didn't exist. So yeah. yeah. Well, I've it been didn't. pretending three hasn't exi- uh, hasn't existed for twenty years. So <laughs> um, no, no, I really uh, like. I, I like this one too, and I I, I I liked it more because of just seeing the whole Laurie and and Michael going at it. You know, it it, it had that feel of I had that whole Terminator feel. You know. <laughs> well, well what I really liked was the, just the fact that um, Laurie wasn't. In the first two movies, you know, she's she's screaming, she's panicking. Right. Obviously, some guys after her. In this movie, even though she's got severe, you know, PTSD, you know, she's a functioning alcoholic or whatever, she still, you she know, steps up to the plate. You know, <laughs> well, yeah. not even just steps up. This time, she actually fights back. Right. I mean, she grabs the axe and goes after him and calls him out. Right. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah, she. It's at that point that uh, Lori refuses to be a victim anymore. Right, yeah. and I, I absolutely love that. So one thing that I do want to mention is a lot of people reference this uh, as we're going to jump into Resurrection. Uh, and if you haven't seen this one, I'm going to give away the ending. You had to have seen it by now. <laughs> is uh, that, you know, Michael gets his head cut off. Yes. And, of course, at the end of this, you're thinking, you know, forever you, you say, well, if you want to stop a monster like Michael or Jason, cut his head off. They can't come back without a head. And in, that's exactly what happened at the end of this one. And in Resurrection, 
they show how he was able to get away from that by switching clothes with one of the uh, uh, paramedics. Now, or yeah, paramedic was it paramedics? Yeah, it was one yeah, of the paramedics. Yeah. For some reason, all of a sudden, I'm seeing a badge in my head, and I'm thinking, was it that or a cop? But it was paramedics. Now, in the uh, producer's cut of number six, the one that the non-theatrical release that I will be talking about a little later once I get it and see more of it, I have read a lot on there. And uh, that is actually the first time that we see Michael switching clothes because at the end of the producer's cut of Halloween 6, they actually kill Michael and demask him but the person underneath the mask is Wynn. Really? So it, so that was the first time. And so uh, when they came up with this one or, you know, did the Halloween 8, it seemed normal for him now, you know, well, let's just have him switch clothes. Either not realizing that uh, the producer's cut didn't happen or... Uh, didn't go out or saying, well, since nobody actually saw it happen, this will be the first time anybody will see it. Hmm. Interesting. So, and that takes us into Halloween 8, also known as Halloween Resurrection. Michael Myers returns, only this time, yeah, he's on the internet to speak. <laughs> Uh, he's not finished with Laurie Strode and takes her out, and their rivalry finally comes to an end. But is this the last we see of Myers? No. Freddie Harris and Nora Winston are reality show programmers at Dangertainment and are planning to send a group of six thrill-seeking teenagers into the Hollywood or to the childhood home of Michael Myers. Mm. Cameras are placed all over the house, kind of Big Brother style. And no one can get out until the morning. That is until Michael arrives. Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see only what you see. Six friends. Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is going to be fun. Have been offered fame and fortune. That's the American dream. All they need to do... All the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the dangertainment begin. Now... You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? The webcast is live. One flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens. You are like this close to getting voted off the island. The stage is set. Has anybody else seen this? That worked perfect. Whoa! It's all fake. We've been set up. Only trying to give America a good show. But the house. Wait, what just happened? We just lost Bill's camera. There's somebody in the hall. Is his. Michael's here! This summer. How many please help us? Evil. <laughs> comes home. Trick or treat, mother. Recently? 
happen sooner or later. What took you so long? All right, so uh, the last Halloween was uh, written by Larry Brand and no, Sean Hood. No, not the Hood. last Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. <laughs> and Sean Hood, uh, based on you know, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill's characters, obviously. It was directed by Rick Rosenthal, who is uh, the director of Halloween 2. So this was his second comeback attempt at a Halloween movie. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Busta Rhymes, and Tyra Banks, <laughs> Brad Laurie, Tyra Banks, uh, Bianca Casulich, uh, who I had to actually look up because I recognized her and didn't know where I recognized her. But she has been in a ton of these like romantic comedy stuff. She's done a couple TV show uh, series too. Yeah, um, she's like the the female version of that actor that everybody knows but doesn't know his name. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> You yeah. see her all over the place, and you're like, you know, I know I know her from somewhere. <laughs> uh, there's a, a lot of people that you'll actually uh, recognize but not know where you've seen. Uh, one is uh, Katie Sackoff. Yeah. Who, you know, was in uh, Battlestar Galactica, White Noise. Um, I was waiting for to see her movies. But... <laughs> <laughs> so in this one, basically the premise is Michael Myers tracked down Laurie Strode. Finally, again, and this time actually killed her. He finished. He finished his job. And what uh, do you? Th- I question that. That's really? actually my biggest. The biggest problem I had with this movie is we established in H two O the reason Michael showed up when he did is not just because of Lori, but because of the son. Well, she obviously kills, or he obviously kills her at the beginning of this movie. Why did he stop? Why didn't he go after the sun at this point? That's a good point. I didn't Which is think a valid that. point. Yeah, it, that is a valid point. And much like like you didn't mention is that much like the last movie we talked about that they pretty much you know three, four, five, and six don't exist in this storyline. Right. Exactly. This is this does take over right after H two O with that change that you were talking about, which is that the person behind the mask wasn't actually Michael. <laughs> yes, and and that, hence my uh, quasi segue there. When yeah, I tried yeah. to wrap them. In no, together. I got that. Uh, I got that. Now I actually understood though that when Jamie Lee Curtis was approached with this, when she said she said fine as long as it's as long as it really is over for Laurie Strode. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what she said, and she wanted it fast, and she wanted it to be uh, not a chump death, right? Which, Which I, I love though. I actually like the way that it happened. Yes, you know, so do I. Because I, she confronted him. You know, it, it was it wasn't you know an all out battle or anything. But, you know, she confronted him knowing that she had nowhere left to run. Mm-hmm. So she made peace with herself. Yeah. Well, and she'd like, like done this so many times and thought she was finally done with it. So right. that now that she's there and, and he had the upper hand, it's just kind of like, all right, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> now, it, it, in my that... other problem, though, with, with, this, with her death is, um, and they kind of flash back at the beginning to, you know, when uh, or the end of the other movie where she cuts off just before she cuts off his head. You know, he acts like he can't get the mask off. And so she flashes to that thinking, OK, it could be 
the same trick, you know, because um, he does it again. But here's my thought on this. She's never seen his face. She did the one time she pulled his mask off. and That went... was 23 years ago. <laughs> How is she going to, you know, and she it was in a darkened corridor. She saw it for like two seconds. Even if she gets this mask off, there's no way for her to know if that's Michael or not. That's true. That's yeah. true. But it, but besides that, though, uh, I, I think do... you'd get a, I think you'd have a certain level of, of uh, you know, it's kind of like have you ever looked at a, a school picture from what you know twenty years ago, and and go, hey, I actually, re- you know, I've seen that guy at the store the other day, or things like that. I mean, I it's, don't know. You look at my school picture, a... and it's not. It's only been ten <laughs> years ago. I don't look anything like myself anymore. No, I mean, you could see, you know, I'm sure you could still see resemblances. I mean, I'm going to argue that the resemblance is still going to be there that you might remember from 23 years before. Okay. But but all that aside. Okay, can, <laughs> can we get back on track? Yeah, with it, all that aside, I actually wanted to, you know, quickly make a comment that I'm sure is going to work with hopefully what you're about ready to do by taking us into more of the storyline is that we, we we totally enter the 20th century. I mean, like you said, we go internet, we go... Well, right um, before that, though, I want to real quick real jump world. on what one thing that I love, talk about Michael being a uh, an icon of serial killers is when he's walking out uh when he's walking through the uh the asylum you have the one guy that's crazy that is basically telling uh, the entire background mm-hmm. of michael myers now this is where we do four five and six do exist yeah yeah because he is going through and uh you know this guy is just muttering off the entire background of michael myers you know in case you didn't yeah, know the, about him it's the pop culture phenomena it, at work Yes, you know, and uh, talking about all of his kills and everything that he's done. And I mean, it is amazing. I love I love that shot. I love that scene. And I think did Justin talk about that last week? Yeah, we um, actually that's in my notes, too, um, because as I was actually waiting for that scene um, because I've I'd only seen Resurrection in parts. I don't think I'd ever seen the whole movie. Uh, all the way through before uh, I watched it, uh, I guess, well, last night. Um, and, but I remember that scene, and I wanted to watch it again. And um, what Justin was saying, you know, is that this, you know, instead of, you know, it being a localized event or whatever. Um, he's international. Yeah, I mean, he. this is a real, he's a real person in this universe, you know, um, we obviously we have a you know some sort of you know mental patient obsessed with serial killers and he lists Bundy and um, uh, I, I forget who else he was muttering about um, maybe Gacy or whatever um, but then yeah Michael comes in hands him the knife and the guy just start you know Michael uh, Myers born 1957 whatever and you know on Halloween night killed you know, three teenagers and, you know, then killed six more people or whatever. Um, he's a very real iconic person in this, you know, so it, it, it's like he's, we're not watching a movie anymore. We're in that world with them. Right. Exactly. Yes. And, and, and I'd love that shot. Now back to what uh, Jeff said, this movie does take us into the 21st century right? because uh that was kind of the point of uh, the director when and the writer when they were making the movie is basically what he said is uh, think of 
the uh, War of the Worlds. He said he was thinking of War of the Worlds, and this is how I thought about it the first time without even knowing that this was the director's intention. But he even said, think of War of the Worlds and how a fictional story everybody thought was real. And what would it be like if it was flipped on its head? Take something that is really happening, but everybody thinks is fake. And the internet is the perfect vehicle for that. And that's how he came up with this idea. Plus, we also had the trend of reality shows. We had Survivor and Big Brother and, you know, whatever well, they island. Even that, you, know, you know, you're about to be voted off the island. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, 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 loved, I loved this. I loved the idea behind this film. Overall, I didn't think this film really connected with the idea the director and the writers were going for. Well, it, loosed, it, it lost its pop culture, you know, uh, strength about the time the you know the ghost hunters michael myers you know people in the michael myers house situation started to get silly yeah and that's where i was actually going to say is that i remember you guys talking and one time at one point justin had actually said to the point that um and i don't know if he had ever referenced this movie so or i don't remember him referencing this movie obviously you guys do but there was one point where i know he said at least from the first movie through to the seventh movie they didn't make a you know there they didn't it wasn't funny really no, I mean it. it not was intentionally. All very, no. Yeah, it wasn't intentionally funny. Whereas I do think with this movie, they really did go for the intentional silliness. Well, not just and, the. And inti- it didn't work. Honestly. Yeah, 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 even to the point that you know Buster Rhymes. I think right, I, as right. a character, I laughed, I laughed my ass off when that happened. <laughs> I think Buster Rhymes did great in and of himself, but. But in context, you're in laughing. context, yes. yeah. And and on top of that, the fight scene. Now, here's one thing that I like and didn't like. First of all, you can't fight Michael Myers like that. You <laughs> yeah. cannot go fisticuffs with Michael Myers and kick his butt, <laughs> even if you do have a stick. Okay, which is why I say it turned into a mockery of itself at that point. That being and of <laughs> itself, though, I often say that I would be one of the first people dead in a slasher film because I would do exactly what he did. Right. I would be well, like, well, hey, you know what? I've got a black belt. I've, yeah, I'm a wrestler. Exactly. I've studied. I'm going to take you on. Meanwhile, I'm running down the street screaming like a little bitch. <laughs> and that's why Michael. Even better, and that's though. and that's why Mike lives, and I die. <laughs> that's why it's that's why it's even better though. It makes it even funnier though that when it first when everything first happens. Granted, they thought it was all part of the show, but when it first happens, even he's one of the people going, "We got to get the hell out of here." <laughs> but. And then later, he's suddenly the badass that's willing to go, you know, one-on-one with Michael Myers. And so, I, I, I don't know, maybe that's actually a scene in which you could say that Buster Rhymes' character still didn't know that it was real. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the other big differences in this movie that uh, is from the other movies is this movie was shot almost entirely on a soundstage in British Columbia. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to where in the other movies they shot, they actually, you know, found locations and filmed around them with the houses and everything. This one, the house was actually built on a soundstage and everything was indoors. Which I think kind of detracted a little bit from uh, the gritty reality feel of some of the earlier Halloween films. Yeah. Well, we didn't get, you know, in the other movies, there's a lot of a lot of the film takes place outside outdoors yeah you know whereas this one obviously if they're being locked into the myers house you know and what it doesn't make any difference if it's a soundstage or if it's a real house right uh but no i agree with you i you know um 
but that being said, you know, it, it was still all right, I guess. So, <laughs> uh, one thing that, uh, just a little background that you may or may not know, uh, that, uh, director Rick Rosenthal had to contend with, uh, was actually, uh, Weinstein Brothers and uh, the studio coming in with constant rewrites while they were shooting, including the ending. Uh, there was about four or five different endings that they came with that he had to work with and uh, and finally come up with the one that they did. One of the uh, things that uh, uh, Rosenthal tried to get them to do that they wouldn't do was actually put out multiple endings in different theaters and not right. tell you which theaters had which endings. <laughs> that would have sucked. Yeah, it would have. It would have been so. I mean, you you think you get pissed off right now, Mike? Oh. <laughs> Not only that, like, this one actually had this this movie also had an alternate opening <laughs> that was supposed to begin with Meyer's home video. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. I, I was, was unaware of that as well. No, yeah. uh, the one there the, was also the the well, the one alternate ending that does exist. It's more of a CSI looking ending, from what I understand. So as far as this movie in a whole, I thought it was fun. I didn't think it was a great I think that was part of the problem is that it was fun. But... Yeah, it, <laughs> it didn't it it didn't strike me as a Halloween movie. It struck me more as a parody of a Halloween yeah, movie. There you go. And, That's really good. And of course it was competing with I mean by then everybody had turned Jason X into a cult. You know, everybody loved Jason X for some stupid reason. <laughs> And so they were kind of competing against that as well. But I, I, I will say I, I, I like the idea that Rosenthal went with and that it was very experimental. He wanted to bring it in. He really wanted to um, bring, it, bring it into our time rather than just having, you know, uh, a serial killer. Because really, I, you know, one of the big problems now with serial killers, and we talked about this many times, is we have cell phones. Yeah. So even if he does cut the phone line... You still have cell phones, so oh, right. you could. We've talked about that. You could <laughs> literally, if you see Michael, uh, you know, running and chasing you, you could literally go and uh, you know stand on the roof <laughs> with your cell phone and call the police. So by by putting it inside of the house like he did, and them taking their phones so that they can't get out and they're trapped and all of that, that really took that away from them. And then also you have the uh, uh, fraud or Schadenfreude. Which one is it? <laughs> Either one. The Schadenfreude. You, you, have, you have the Schadenfreude going on with the people at home, which is really the people at home are us. Schadenfreude is a German term that means getting pleasure out of someone else's demise. Right. And, uh, and what which that is. where the internet and voyeuristic aspect. Right, which is where the internet. But the, if you think about it, the, you know, that's us. That's why we watch horror right. films. That's why we like watching Michael kill people is because we get some, you know, uh, we we get excitement out of watching him kill people and knowing that it's not us. So what honk honk somebody trying to break into your car? Yes. <laughs> My favorite part is actually I mean to me the best part about it is is the use of pop culture. Yes. Is that they that that Michael Myers became a, you know, he was like you mentioned before is the whole idea of him being actually part of pop culture. Right. And I, that they played on that. Well, even beyond the, that, though, I thought the movie was, I thought, especially beyond the Laurie Strode killing, because that's when I thought, oh, hey, we're really into a, this is a serious sequel. And then we get to the house situation, and I'm like, all right, now this isn't working. <laughs> well, and then well, uh, you also have, don't forget, the, talk about, you know, 
humanizing or less than humanizing Michael, you turn him into an animal to where now he's living off rats. Yeah, that's true. Well, and it's a good thing that I watched this again because one of the problems that I had uh, having just going on memory before I rewatched this last night is, (laughs) and I didn't catch it the first time, is the whole um, the high chair where they had him locked up or whatever, um, and or where they they hinted at he was locked up and, and like I said I only watched parts of this before it was like so we're retconning it again saying that Michael was was evil as a you know even before he snapped and killed his sister that right night, yeah um, they tried to take it from him being you know in a well, normal here, here, normal middle class family to him being tortured more or less well yeah, yeah but that's what I thought and then. Um, Busta's character says when he when they find the the fake arm in the basement and whatever, and you realize that the the spices in the kitchen are fresh, they put all of that there, right? To to make it more exciting uh, as far as the the live webcast or whatever. So I'm like, okay, so this you know they're not saying that they kept him in this chained in this high chair. It was a setup. You yeah, know, they, by, they fictionalized his background yeah. for the show. And like I said, having only watched it once before, I was like, so what were, you know, ret, like I said, retconning it again. And then I see this mm. scene, which apparently I hadn't seen before, where he explains it. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. I get what's going on now. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I still felt like the, the addition of that basement and then the, I mean, really, there's tunnels right underneath the house that are in that good of. Okay. <laughs> yeah so i think uh with that overall i i enjoyed the film i think it was a uh, you know good for what uh rosenthal was going for i didn't think it quite hit its mark i would give it you know kind of right up the middle or maybe just below the middle hmm. so and with that i think it's time we start the music what do you guys say all right let's start the music happy halloween everybody happy halloween Let's try that again. (laughs) All right. That was our episode four weeks of Halloween part four. Uh, I want to let you guys know if you want to get a hold of us, give us a call 503-454-6941. You can email us at feedback at creepercast.com. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash creepercast. And become a fan and a friend on Facebook at facebook.com slash creepercast. Jeff, can you tell people about the iTunes sweepstakes? The iTunes sweepstakes is where you go to iTunes. You know, you basically chase us down on iTunes and give us a review. Tell us what you think. Love, hate, appreciate. Want us to do better stuff. Maybe do more Halloween, which Mike would love to do. (laughs) And if you you do so, and if you do so. You'll get you'll get your name thrown into the proverbial hat, <laughs> or perverted, likes to, or perverted. Now it's a perverted hat for Jason now, which I we don't want to know any more about that. But uh, <laughs> you'll get your name in the in in this hat, and we will draw your name from the Mad Hatter hat, and you can win something out of our swag store. That's two chances to win because we do have two podcasts. And I want to remind everybody that if you're listening to this one right now, which is coming out on Halloween Day, then you should also be listening to the to this year's. Halloween music for your ghoulish night, which I promise will be fun, full, filled with musical horror. 
All right, Mike, what do you got for your next book review? Well, as stated before, and I'm not pretending uh, because I'm going to Michigan, so this is pre-recorded. <laughs> I'm uh, not 100% sure, but I am halfway through a book by Jane Roberts called Dark Inside. It's a young adult horror novel, and I'm pretty much digging it, so um, I'm hoping that I can get this finished and get a review by the t- uh, so when I come back from Michigan, it's ready to go. All right. See you guys next time. See ya. Farewell from the beasts. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Please follow us on all our social medias at FoggyJack13. Also, make sure you subscribe to YouTube and to our Patreon. Hope to see you all next time down in the pumpkin patch. Thank you. Goodbye, and blessed be.